0: Hello, beautiful people. This is Rajiv with Photo Country. I had taken a bit of a break and I'm back with the last episode for the year. Thanks for supporting this podcast for the past year. Appreciate all those who have tuned into this podcast. You guys really keep me going. In this episode, I had a chat with Matt Evans, a film and solar can photographer from Wellington. Solar can photography is a very experimental and probably the most interactive genre of photography. Because by its very nature it physically interacts with the environment that the camera is trying to capture it was certainly an entertaining and informative chat that I had with Matt so let's dive into the conversation thanks Matt for coming on the show one of the reasons that I was interested to talk to you because you do a different uh, genre of photography compared to others and it's almost like nature is creating the image for you and the whole concept of time is captured in one image right so yeah that was what was fascinating for me
1: yeah so like my journey through photography was i started shooting probably when i was younger back at school and then obviously digital cameras came around dslrs and stuff and moved into that shot a lot of shot some digital stuff Did some freelance photography and just, I don't know if I fell out of love with it, but it just, just drifted off a little bit. And then I came back to it when having kids and a splendid store in Wellington, they used to be around the corner from my house. And I remember going in there with my boy and I was like, oh, there's a camera shop. Let's go and have a little look. And we went in there and had, had a little look and I ended up leaving with some film. And I was like, i got two roles. I was like, oh, I'll put a role in the camera for him and I'll put a role in the camera for me and we'll just go shoot some stuff. And it, something just sparked again and I started shooting and then just started shooting solely film. Occasionally I'd shoot some digital stuff, but of the, you know, it's all stuff for the family because my, obviously my family are overseas. So sending them pictures of the kids and stuff, it's easy to use an iPhone or a digital camera and then send them those. But I just started pushing more towards the film side and just having this pull to it. And then from there, that kind of grew and I started to get, back into the experimental stuff that I started doing when I was probably in high school, where I was making pin I remember making pinhole cameras when I was like probably fourteen or something in school. You just get an old thirty-five wheel canister, the black ones, you'd have a hole in there, you'd have one frame of 35 in it. You'd put it somewhere and you'd have to take it back to the lab and develop your single frame and stuff. And so, and so like almost coming full circle back to that. But it was a way for me to engage with my kids. Like with film, I could take pictures of them. And then the moment's passed. The moment has gone and you're still able to be present without chimping the back of your camera and I thought, I'll just get another shot of that or looking at your phone, whether you're you're present. And it was an extension of that. We started to, well, looking at how to make these pinhole cameras and how easy they are to make. And I was able to bring the kids into that and sit down with them and make it an activity where we would make them. And the first one we made was for my son's daycare. And uh, we put it up in his daycare on like a Christmas Eve before they shut and left it up for the full solstice for six months, just to see, is this going to work? And all the kids loved it because they were like, what are you putting a can on the pole for? And they'd (laughs) they'd point to it oh, that's the camera. And we went back and six months took it down and then I gave them the picture and they were just like blown away because it's as an educational tool for them to talk to the kids about, even though they're small, they talk about the planets and they talk about space and how everything moves and how we have seasons and they were just like, this is brilliant because we can show them in a physical image, uh, a passing of time to help them understand just as where it sun rises, where it sunsets and stuff. And it grew from there and we're quite fortunate in Wellington and we get a, a good uh, this geographical variance. We can get out to the coast, I can be literally on the coastline. I put something in there and get a lot of saltiness into the into the image really, like the salt and the air will get into the emulsion or we can go like go north and go put it in a forest somewhere and it'll be a little bit drier, a bit more sheltered and you won't get as much weathering or different patterns. It really appealed to me and, and it's also a good time-saving thing. You make a pinhole camera with your kids in 20 minutes, <laughs> keep quiet for half an <laughs> hour and then uh, go stick it up a tree and then it's doing the hard work, whereas you <laughs> you kick back, have a beer. Six yeah, months yeah. later, six months later, you're to go get it.
0: But what kind of uh, images do you get out of it? I do long exposures, but this is like the ultimate in long exposures, right? You just get a like a pattern out of the whatever is going on outside. Whatever it can see, yeah,
1: will register on the paper, and you could leave it out for thirty minutes, an hour. And then if you took it home, you'd have to develop the paper. There'd be no image on the paper and you would, I was actually just looking cause I might have one knocking around to show you, but you'd have to, you'd have to develop the piece of paper to get the image out. But because they're out for so long, the emulsion reacts, starts to react and your image gets burnt into the actual photographic paper. So when you come to get it and open it up, you can actually see the image on the paper and it will be a complete image of what it can see. Depends on a lot of factors, and this is what, or this trial and error. So you're going to get the sun, right? The sun's the brightest thing in the sky and it's going to burn the lines in to the sky that follow its trajectory as it rises and then sets. And some of those might be complete lines. Some of them might be dashes. And if they're dashes, it's obviously a partly cloudy day where it hasn't quite filled in, but each line is, it's not quite a day, it's probably two and a half days or something before the sun moves enough to start a new life. somewhere between one three days. And so it just etches itself in to the paper, all of the foreground interest. So that landscape stuff does register on the paper, but what I've found is the biggest successive I have are places where you have lots of, probably lots of buildings or lots of bright colored objects.
0: But how do you decide the location?
1: I have a little book. And as I'm wandering about or going places, I'll just keep a note, oh, that's a good spot because it's mostly, on, it, a lot of it comes down to, can it see the sun? How much can, of the sun can it see? Does it face east, west or or north? Predominantly, if you want that full rainbow, you want to face north. I started off just going, where can I put stuff to see the sun? Where can I get foreground addressed? What can I put in here that might be like a super interesting type thing? And the biggest thing I always have to remind myself is, If you think you're close enough, you're probably not get closer. So you got to be super close to something if you want that foreground interest to be there. So then I was starting to think about those things. You see something and you go, are you like this really tree? The sun in the morning, it goes behind the tree. Okay. That's quite cool. That might look quite good. Then I think about how I might want the tree to be in the image. How much of it do I want in it? That'll dictate what pinhole I then use. Sometimes that dictates the size of the pinhole I'm using as well.
0: How big is it? How, how big will the picture be?
1: So the paper I use is, I buy eight by 10 sheets okay. of ill Ilf- food Ilf- or any photographic paper. If you get a standard large 440 ml beer can or drinks can, monster energy or any of those real cheap ones, if you cut the lid off that and put your piece of paper in, it is snug from top to bottom. There's no trimming, there's nothing involved. All you've got to do is punch a pinhole in the side gaffer tape over the top you're done that dictated originally just the, the paper i was buying right but i scan the paper afterwards so once you've got your paper i'll put it on the flatbed scanner and i'll scan it and then it, the, the size you can print it to is dictated by what you're scanning it at.
0: i think it's it's just the whole unpredictability of, of yeah. it is the fun of it and it's almost it's a passage of time and the and nature. Yeah, yeah, and and the whole nature actually is interacting with the film as well.
1: Exactly, it's nature doing the work, right? Nature is recording the image that it wants to record on there, and there are things that I've tried to play around with that I know that the weather conditions play an important factor in how much the emulsion deteriorates. So, how much mold do you want in there? How much? How much like seeping of the emulsion do you want? So, if that paper sits in there long enough, it starts to the emulsion starts to run. And you get this sort of like running patterns down there and how much of that you want and how much other things. And so one of the things I did with, with one of the, these are all on my website. You can scroll through and have a look and stuff. I've got one, it's like a star, it looks like a star field and there's just some streaks through the middle and it's basically I did a, I think I did like a month exposure and then I flipped the can over and did another month. So you end up with this like banana shake on both sides. But right. it's only a couple of lines. So it's like these streaks. And then the whole rest of the image is incredibly speckly, like a star field almost. So it's like looking at the night sky and seeing these sort of like shooting stars coming across. This was because my kids wanted to. This is like an early on one before I was like looking at how can I help nature produce something that is going to look a bit different. They wanted to chuck some glitter. On one of the papers, they want to decorate your kids. Like they're like, we put stickers on it. Can we put, and I'm like, no, you know, <laughs> now I'm like, yeah, let's like get some, cut some stars out or some hearts and put those on the emulsion. Cause that will mask the image. You know what I mean? And you'll end up with this right. shapes. And so I've got a couple where I have like, I've made triangular masks and stuff, but that star one, we put glitter in and the glitter, then we sprayed the emulsion with some water, chuck some glitter in, sealed it up, put it out. And then the glitter sticks to the emulsion. So when I scan it, all of the green, gold, blue colour pieces of glitter reflect all the light from the scanner as it's scanning. And then you end up with these, so these black dots. But then when you invert the emulsion in Photoshop, they'll go white and you end up with this star field.
0: Who are your inspirations for this, you know, getting onto this? Are there like other artists out there in New Zealand or elsewhere who are doing this? which kind of inspired you to get to the other artists that you follow in this genre?
1: When I started getting into it and looking initially, um, first person that you will always come across is, is, Sam, is Sam Cornwell. And he is, was it Cornwall? not sure. He's the solar can guy. He's the guy that mass produces empty beer cans with a piece of photographic paper in and a laser cut pinhole that you can chuck up. You buy them in a pack of four. You buy them with different emulsions in there, some different colored emulsions. And so you come across, I came across him pretty, uh, a few pinhole people that are relatively, that I think are relatively known. Justin Quinnell is a pinhole photographer in the UK and he makes a lot of his own pinhole cameras. He's made a pinhole camera that fits in his mouth and takes photos from inside of his mouth and his teeth are all in the foreground and stuff. And you know, he's made a pinhole camera of an orange at one point, I think. And that's when I came across how to make the salt cans which has sent me down this journey of going, oh, this would be an activity for the kids.
0: Right. Yeah, it's it's fascinating that it's just a small tin box. What can it do? Yeah. (laughs) But it's just amazing what nature can actually do. And it's even the same location, different season, you'll probably get different images.
1: No two cameras are the same. I can put two up in the same spot because the paper's curved a different way. And so you straight away, you end up with two different images. And like you said, they're never going to, be the same
0: today in this day and age of such expensive cameras and here is a small humble little tip with a small hole and you're creating magic right it's just the other extreme and say you can be very simple but it can create a real art you can't with possibly the most expensive camera.
1: Yeah, it's like the original camera, right? It's a camera obscure. It's
0: Exactly. You
1: know, you take any film camera, it does the same thing as that tin. But you're just able to like adjust those apertures. And and it's one of those things that I don't shoot with a fancy camera. Like I shoot 35mm, I shoot 120. All my 120s are a Holder. And it just suits my style a bit more. Like I really like the experimental and I've always have. They all do the same thing. They're all essentially camera obscura, but the stuff that really creatively satisfies me, is the making the thing and the taking it out. And it's also the most incredibly frustrating. It's not, they don't always come out. So it, like you say, some of them go missing, some of them get damaged ones. And I had one out once and someone had ripped it open. Even though I've written on it, it's pen or camera, don't touch, Like people can't help themselves. Maybe they thought there was an actual camera in there, I don't know, but they opened it up. But they just left it all on the floor. I found the empty can and I was like, oh, it's all squished up. But like they squashed, stomped it. But I found the paper they'd folded up and left and it'd fallen into the grass and it hadn't blown away. It was still there. And I opened it up. There was, there's no image. There's no foreground interest or anything. But there's this very small rainbow on there of the sun. And this sort of fading, fading image where it's just sat there and the sun's done its thing to the emulsion. So I was like, okay, there's still, there's still something. So I took it home and scanned it and it's, the, the emotions tend to go reddish colors. So when you invert them, you know, usually comes out blue and all the stuff that's gone black obviously goes white and you end up with these sort of like paintbrush type strokes almost of white and then electric blue and then there's just this little rainbow and I'm like, man, I couldn't even made art like this. Like this is like <laughs> the abstract nature of this is amazing and I can't, like, I could never recreate it. Like it's a genuine right. one off. And so that one is, is available to buy as an NFT. So I have a couple of them I've, I've listed as NFTs just through the nature of being unique they're one offs, there is no other, they're not repeatable. So I feel like if you're gonna buy that, you should look at it in its physical medium, so that one is hanging on a wall in uh, in Korea, South Korea, wow. so. <laughs> I hope it's hanging yes. on a wall in South Korea. I sent it to the guy. Maybe you just put it in a pile in the corner.
0: So if I'm going to get into this genre of experimental photography, how do I start?
1: Super simple. Go to the warehouse, have a hunt around for the super cheap, horrible sugary drink that you don't want. Or you go get a nice beer if you want to enjoy beer. Any can, any container. Cans are great because, they're like I said before, 440 ml is the perfect size for the eight by 10 papers, cut the top off with a tin opener. There is a way to do that. So you can Google it, but when you're cutting with tin, normally you need to cut it on the inside. Right. So the blade, the choppy blade needs to go down on the inside, not on the outside. If you cut it on the outside, you gonna end up with this jaggedy, horrible
0: right. sharp
1: edge. But if you cut it on the inside, you'll get a nice clean cut. Then you have that folded aluminum at the top of the can there as just as you're opening. Right. But you cut that off, make sure it's all dry inside. Get your pin, needle, drawing pin. You want to be roughly in the middle of the can, but what's your, this, what's your focal point, if your focal point's the sky and you only want to get the sky, you probably want to have your pinhole above the center line, maybe three quarters up. If you want to have more foreground, then you want to be below the center line because obviously as the light comes in, the image is flipped upside down and recorded right. on the paper upside down. And so. If I want more sky, I'll put the pinhole slightly above the center line. Jab your pin in the side, get a bit of electrical tape or any tape that's black, cover the hole up. Once the hole's covered up, get your piece of um, photographic paper out, pop it in the can, make sure the emulsion is facing your pinhole. I have done this so many times, and you'll not be surprised how many times <laughs> <laughs> you put the paper them in them the them. wrong way.
0: <laughs> or,
1: I give someone a solar can and I leave it to them for six months and I get it back and I open it and I didn't put any paper in it. That is twice in the last month. I've got some back and I've been kicking myself. So make sure your paper's in there. Make sure it's facing the pinhole, put a lid on it. It can be a piece of cardboard that you just put on the top that you just tape over the top. I use a lot like plumbers tape you can get from Bunnings and it's real quite wide PVC, black PVC tape. I'll just put a piece of that over the top and then I'll use my UV gaffer tape over the top of that, but give me any gaffer tape, anything that to keep the light out and you've done it, you're finished, you're ready to go. The next thing you need to do is go find somewhere to put it, don't put it in a public place that's near a bridge or a road or, you know, I mean, these things do look like IEDs, so you don't want to <laughs> make sure you're not going to be putting it, you know, go and put it down, down near parliament, that's for sure and put it somewhere cable tie it to something, take your tape off the front and then go start drinking the next can whilst you're waiting for that one. And then (laughs) you can leave this out for, and you'll get lines. But the longer you leave it, the more of that rainbow that you get of the sun and its arc. And ideally, 21st of December through to 21st of June. It could be either side of that. You can start 21st of June, go through 21st of December, but that's going to give you your lowest lowest arc of the sun and the highest path of the sun. But like, success is anywhere in between there. Just put it out. Get it back, open it up, and then you to scan it. So you're going to need a flatbed scanner. You could do it with a digital camera if you have a macro lens or something, and you could take a photo of that paper, the emulsion, and then you can do all your work on that, but obviously the flatbed's going to give you the image quality. Once you get that, turn in Photoshop, invert it. Once you invert it, you'll probably need to rotate the orientation as well and flip it because obviously the image has been upside down. And there you go. Just a bit of contrast, a bit of brightness. Got your first solar can. (laughs)
0: <laughs> that's great great awesome where can people come and see your work matt do you have like a website
1: yeah so my instagram is where i tend to post a lot of my stuff so it's just matt evans photo on instagram i have a website and that's Malevansphoto.nz. Instagram is pretty much where hangout. I run the shoot film wellington social community photo meetup group. Give us a follow on Instagram. That's only an Instagram platform at the Yeah. So we, we have regular meetups. We try and have a meetup every month. We get photographers together and stuff. So there's if you're in New Zealand and you're starting to get into film or you want to find other people, the shoot film Wellington page. There are other ones out there as well. But it's great for I try and feature people's work so you're going to see a huge selection of people shooting all types of film uh, or any photographic photographic processing so yeah those are probably all the places you can find
0: me thanks Matt for coming on the show it was great talking to you I'll put all the links to Matt's Instagram feed and website in the show notes once again thank you for supporting this podcast over the past year I appreciate each and every one of you who listens to this podcast you guys keep me going I wish everyone a safe and happy Christmas and a wonderful New Year. See you all with a fresh set of interviews in 2022. Till then, keep clicking. This is Rajeev signing off.